This is Dark Days Radio, episode number 57, To Dream in Hell. I'm one of your hosts, Mike, and joining me this fine summer, well, it's day outside, but we're going to say it's evening, we've got, of course, Chig. How's it going, Chig? Pretty good, Mike. How you doing? Doing all right. I'm doing all right. And of course, coming in second, the second episode in a row, Chris. How's it going, Chris? I'm good. How are you guys? Oh, yeah, pretty good, pretty good. How do, how do you feel yeah, about me uh, introducing Chig before you, which is what I've done the last two episodes? Uh, shit before shuffle. <laughs> 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 All right, nice, nice. <laughs> All right, cool. Well, I so, was um, okay with it, but now I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> excellent, excellent. So on today's episode, we're going to cover uh, a couple listener-submitted questions about changing the dreaming. Then we're going to have a secret frequency on uh, Voices of the Dead. And also, we're going to talk about storytelling in Demon the Descent. So it should definitely be a good episode. So uh, speaking of which, we uh, had an episode not too long ago. So it's only been a couple weeks. Uh, what's everyone been doing gaming-wise? Would you like to be the shovel again, Chris? Um, <laughs> yeah, I'd be the shovel. No, um, let's say uh, I've played some more... Uh, War Machine and Hordes recently, so um, that's been good fun. Wow, actually, let's think. I finished off painting those Batman miniatures, painting Convergence of Cyrus, there's pictures up of that stuff. Um, yeah, you know, just looking forward to using my Scorn army, because that's like complete. Um, and yeah, my Signal army is kind of good fun. Lots of, lots of magical, shooty goodness, so it's been good to be playing some of that. Um, otherwise, uh, I wouldn't say it's really hobby-wise, but we watch the, there was the, um, season finale of Hannibal, and that was awesome. Yeah, and I, I did not see mm-hmm. that coming. Any of that. Yeah. It's, it's interesting because obviously it looks like it had to be the, it, the way they ended it was the balance of, I'm sure, was the fact they didn't know whether they were going to have a third season, so... Um, yeah, I mean, next season should be, I think, very different to the previous two, because, you know, things have moved on. Just a smidge. Just a smidge, but yeah, it's been uh, great to watch. Um, otherwise, have, we, have I done anything else, watched anything else? Now I've got some painting to do now, some more painting, so obviously I've got my, um, my Kickstarter reward, um, put together and undercoated so um it's a nice figure but they also private press brought out the um showing off all the kickstarter figures um in their general release form haven't they mike have they they have oh, okay. uh, so some of the some of the sculpts are better than the kickstarter ones some are worse so you know. oh interesting yeah i actually wasn't impressed by a lot of the uh, kickstarter sculpts uh except for the signar one which is the uh mm. the miniature i selected so uh haven't painted that the same yet, one but... i have <laughs> all yeah. right awesome awesome <clears throat> yeah i think the uh the retribution one you know the elf sculpt was uh also pretty good 
from the, yeah. from the Kickstarter ones, but I wasn't too impressed with the others. Uh, but yeah, no, that's definitely cool, and uh, I'll have to go check those out pretty soon. So uh, yeah, gaming-wise for me, uh, I played a whole lot of Vampire the Eternal Struggle, like a ton, and I guess we'll talk about that in the, uh, in the news segment, but uh, otherwise things have been kind of slow. Uh, except that there is this Kickstarter going on, which I'm really, it just keeps tantalizing me. Um, you know, usually for Kickstarters, we don't, we don't really advertise uh, Kickstarters for companies that are like just getting started or something like that. But uh, Orbis Eridan, Reign of the Accursed, uh, it's really just, uh, you know, pretty interesting to me. It's sort of a um, fantasy uh, uh, setting with a World of Darkness uh, Milo, uh, if you will. In a oh, I know sort of about, yeah, Elizabethan yeah. setting, but uh, the company actually just started to talk about the rules and mechanics, which are not on the Kickstarter page, and it's pretty much my jam because uh, you know just the the core task resolution is two d ten, that sort of a system, and we all know that I'm a huge fan of uh, the bell curves with uh, with dice like the two d six, and additionally they're talking about some of the uh, kind of story mechanics they have, which is that each character has uh, their ambitions. And their fears, which for a uh, vampire-like character uh, makes perfect sense. And also one of the core mechanics also is just scheming, which, uh, you know, is a pretty good idea for a, uh, a vampire game, you know? But it's quite interesting because it's, so it's a role-play game. And yes. it's, it's very kind of, I would say, I guess it's kind of the vampire answer to Unhallowed Metropolis. In the yeah, sense that it's that. kind of uh, some sort of, is it an alternative future or is it or is it no a no it's it's a fantasy world, world. it's a fantasy yeah, world okay okay so in that respect then it's also got a bit of Iron Kingdoms esque to it because of course they've got their own setting and it's kind of evolved to this Victorian thing but yeah as a role play game is concerned I mean you know it's also got miniatures to go with it so um, which is interesting because mm-hmm. i wouldn't have expected it to be a miniatures heavy game but are they there as something that's integral to the game or or it's just something nice to have no 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 they're uh, completely optional um okay. so yeah uh, they look pretty cool so uh it's definitely another another thing that people are pretty excited about with that one so yeah maybe we'll put the put a link to that in the show notes it's uh definitely something i'm paying close attention to right now um and we'll see what happens in the future so, gaming-wise, Chig, what's going on? Well, we finally managed to play a session of Rocket Age last night. Okay. I think we got about halfway through the uh, adventure that the guy wants to run for us. Um, it was pretty fun. It was a different system. It wasn't uh, nothing too complex. But, uh, yeah, it was, it was a fun game, and we will play it again next week as well. So, I enjoy it. All right, sweet. And uh, you picked up some paints for your uh, Malifaux dudes. I know that much. Yeah, it, it turns out that I'm, I live about 20 miles away from the uh, Reaper Minis people, and they have a, an on-site store there next to their warehouse. So I stopped by yesterday and picked up a uh, starter paint kit so I can start her painting. All right. I have no idea what Reaper paints are, are like in comparison to, you know, Vallejo or or yeah. um, Games Workshop or Private Press. I think they're very similar to the uh, Vallejo paints. Yeah. 
which means that they're great for mixing with water. Yes. That doesn't mean much for uh, Chig, but, you know. Well, they'll be okay. They won't be too... They won't be too... Um, they won't be too gloopy. Because um, hmm. Games Workshop paints are sometimes quite thick. But then there's so many GW paints, it's it can actually be a bit complicated. And oh, I, extremely. I think they've changed their paint range at least three times since I stopped working for them. So I don't even know what they have these days. Hmm. Uh, they've changed it so many times, and yet the colors white and yellow are still impossible to paint. Yeah. <laughs> but, really? Good to know. Yeah, that's... Sistle uh... White is a load of crap. Um, Private Presses, whatever it is, white, um, is really good. It's really good. Gives good coverage. Yeah, Absolutely. But anyway, enough with miniatures. Let's get back yeah. to the uh, world of darkness. So, uh, oh, hey, so this is pretty important. We have another contest, don't we? Yes, indeed we do. Yeah, all right. So, everyone, get your pens and pencils out, because here's the next contest question. What do you think the next new World of Darkness game line will be? You can give us funny answers, insightful answers. If you don't know what answer it should be, uh, just say Gruntar the Frutang, and uh, you've got an entry right there. <laughs> uh, the uh, prize for this is actually going to be a copy of the God Machine Chronicle, signed uh, by Black Hat Matt McFarland. And uh, it's brought to you, sponsored by Peter Marshall, our Australian correspondent. So thank very much, Peter. And uh, yeah, we definitely appreciate it. So, uh, additionally, there might be some other prizes. We'll have to see about that. But uh, at the very least, the top prize will be that copy of the God Machine Chronicle. So, there you go. And we'll repeat uh, the contest at the end of the episode. Um, so, definitely get your answers in quick, because we're probably going to announce a winner next time we're on the air. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, definitely uh, just send us your ideas, Gruntar the Fruitang, or, you know... Uh, what's another what's another classic one people use uh yeti um, yeti the isolation i think that's another one and just send that over to uh darker days radio at gmail.com all right i think we're good with that so let's move on over to the news All right, so uh, as you may have figured out from our contest question, there's actually going to be a new New World of Darkness game line coming out. Uh, we really don't know anything about it. We just kind of heard about it from uh, Rich Thomas and uh, the folks over at Onyx Path. Um, but we do know that the game is going to be, quote, subversive, end quote. So, yeah, I mean, uh, do you guys have any ideas? Um... I no. <laughs> I mean, Are we it's sure tough. the quote was subversive? Was it yes. not submersive? Is it perhaps mermen? Uh, I mean, it could be. I mean, that's, that's as, as that's, good a that's guess. My as contest. That is my contest entry. It is mermen the drowning. What? Okay, we have to caveat the contest now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Darker Days hosts 
And by hosts, I mean the core hosts of uh, you know us three cannot enter into the contest. Sorry, guys. Oh. I know, I know. I take back my entry then. Okay. <laughs> yeah, Maybe I mean it's it... mole men, mole men. That'd be cool. That's a uh, no crab people. <laughs> crab, you walk like crab and talk like people. Yes, that could be it. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's tough because there's they've already done so much. Um, you know, I was just kind of brainstorming and like, you know, sometimes people ask for gargoyles. I remember that being uh, something that people requested with the old World of Darkness. So gargoyles, they already have golems in the form of the Prometheans. So that's pretty tough. Yeah, they got gargoyles twice in the old World of Darkness, though. Uh, At least twice. They had them with the the uh, the Tremere with those gargoyles, but they uh, pop up again, do they? Gargoyles. Yeah, there's a uh, there's a uh, changeling. Uh, the Kith book trolls has the ability to make your troll into basically a gargoyle with stone skin uh, and all that fun jazz. What? Toss some wings toss some wings on there. Have you never read the Kith book trolls? Come on, Mike. Have I it read It was the first <laughs> changeling book. I've read one. Um no what no Chig, Chig, we were just talking about this like the other week. And I was like, you know Chig, you know would make a really awesome changeling game. And I told you Gargoyles it was in the book. The Disney <laughs> cartoon. <laughs> And then you, you were like, then your reply was, uh, yeah, I guess sort of, I guess, maybe a little Did bit. Instead of just being like, yes, Mike, that is exactly how you should run Changeling. And then yeah, if after... you had said that, I would be the biggest Changeling fan ever. Yeah, after I, I kind of shot down the fact that the themes and tone are not at all the same, I said, okay, yeah, but if you go to the first Kith book, there's totally merits and flaws in there to let you do that. The, the, the themes. By that point, you'd stop are... reading my replies. <laughs> Gargoyles, though, in New World of Darkness do exist already because they, they're also in Vampire the Requiem. Or at least they were in the Vampire the Requiem core book. Oh. Um, as a kind of construct. I think it's the type of thing like, say, the Auto Draco would be able to create or someone with Kruak. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, you know, Changeling. Um, which one would it be? Uh, either like one of the trolls or one of the elementals. Um, for one of those seemings, um, uh, or it could be a darkling seeming because uh, there's a type which have mm. bat-like wings, um, and gargoyles can also be well. If you think about it, yeah, with Prometheans and the Pandor- Pandorans are sort of are gargoyles. You know, they they can just be these bits of stone construct which come to life when a Promethean is nearby and they sense the uh, Azoth and wish to feed upon it. Yeah, that definitely works. Yeah. So yeah, it's not going to be gargoyles. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, have, yeah. I, really, I really don't know because, I mean, we've had if you look at, if you compare old and new World of Darkness, pretty much everything from old World of Darkness has been either revamped in some way or, or being re-examined. So obviously, Geist kind of covers, you know, Orpheus and Wraith quite happily. Because um, I don't think we're ever going to see a game where you actually play ghosts um, anytime soon. So, and you know, we had Promethean. Promethean was quite different uh, to anything that went before it in Classic World of Darkness. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, they could actually, I was thinking about this, what if they revisited one of the supernatural types that they've already covered, um, perhaps doing a different form of werewolf or a different form of, of changeling, and that would allow them to 
come up with new ideas for something that they've already uh, touched before. But I mean, if they if they already had some kind of cool ideas for um, for for another supernatural type, they could they could kind of go in a, in a completely different direction. Um, that's something they could definitely do. And I think they already kind of did do that uh, in some ways with uh, coming out with Changing Breeds, mm. um, that book for the uh, World of Darkness, which, by the way, this is just a quick tangent here, but uh, yeah, I was stuck in the doctor's office and uh, <laughs> Matt, our uh, werewolf correspondent, decided to uh, entertain me. He'd send me all these uh, pictures and stuff from the uh, Changing Breeds source book, which apparently, before it went into editing, uh, com- <laughs> contained many pornographic furry pictures so he felt the need to uh send me those as i was sitting there rather bored uh so thanks matt and uh yeah i've seen those ones due to matt <laughs> yeah yeah definitely uh no, you know, are you sure that these aren't just from his personal private stash oh yeah he could have just uh photoshopped he, it all in yeah yeah um he has that kind of time on his hands i think right <laughs> probably um but yeah that was something interesting to learn is that uh you know the original version of that was uh definitely rated x let's say black dog supplement was it as bad as the cthulhu tech book with their uh, furries uh well that just was in the description that was just in the words yeah. And this was in the images. Uh, yeah, definitely some funky stuff there. But, uh, right. All right. We don't know what the New World of Darkness game is going to be. Uh, we'll have to definitely keep track of the uh, little tidbits coming out from Onyx Path. And then uh, we'll pass them on to you guys and uh, try to give our thoughts. So, Have they said when they would make the announcement? That would be Gen Con, uh, won't it? Probably. That would I make am, sense. I am signed up for a uh, what's new in the New World of Darkness or what's coming in the New World of Darkness uh, panel at All right. Gen. All right, have your Twitter ready, Chig. <laughs> but uh, continuing on with the news, we also found out uh, what the Geist of Sin Eaters historical setting is going to be in the um, Dark Eras sourcebook, which will be coming out uh, this summer. Uh, and that's going to be actually set in New Zealand in the 1950s during its uh, economic boom, and uh, we'll cover some of the uh, oppression of the indigenous people. Uh, and also the weak shroud uh, that exists in the uh, that island at that time. Um, definitely very different from what we expected, uh, as we've seen from the other Dark Eras settings, such as uh, Promethean being set in the Great Depression, uh, United States. And then... Werewolf is New York, kind of 1970s? Yes, that's correct. Yeah. And uh, I'm just trying to think Changeling about... Changeling is... Uh, Changeling is... Uh... I want to say French Revolution. Yep. And then yep. Mage is the uh, Alexander the Great time period, way, oh, yeah, way yeah, back. Yeah. Um, so that's uh, that's definitely pretty neat. So uh, You're forgetting New Wave Requiem. Come on. The greatest of all decades in which to be yeah, a that's vampire. Not, that's not the one that's in this book. The vampire one uh, in this book is set during the reign of uh, Elizabeth the first and yes. is everything to yeah. do with the secret societies and you know john d and you know the everything to do with that also new wave requiem is basically pointing out how being a vampire in the 1980s actually kind of sucked so yeah. uh, <laughs> no it was great come on uh, it's maybe. the 80s everything was better in when i was a child oh, okay yeah okay, that's, <laughs> that's how that works yeah that's true 
So we know about all that good stuff with uh, with Geist, so it's going to be pretty interesting. Uh, kind of cool to see the uh, Pan-Australia area, the, P the Pacific, uh, get some coverage. So that's uh, definitely pretty neat. And it's being written by uh, Cam Banks, mm -hmm. who is uh, well-known for uh, his work over at Margaret Weiss Productions, uh, especially a lot with uh, Dragonlance back in the day. So definitely good to see him uh, moving on to the world of darkness. Uh, and then also, uh, we have gotten some new books that we uh, haven't really talked about. Uh, Drive Through RPGs, uh, new releases, little tab seems to be a little messed up because it was not showing me the new books right up front. So these are just mm. kind of the ones that I could think of uh, off the top of my head that have come out recently. So, uh, of course, just this week we had uh, Werewolf's Wild West uh, W20 expansion come out. Uh, and this is a source book that covers a lot of the uh, core base material for uh, Werewolf the Wild West, which was a... Uh, entire game line back in the uh, the late 90s from White Wolf um, and just kind of updates it and makes the basic information available for people that are uh, uh, fans of Werewolf 20th Anniversary Edition. Um, it's pretty neat and uh, there was actually something I was reading in there because I just, just kind of skipping through and something caught my attention and that was the, uh, uh, Jake, you might have to correct me on the uh, the exact name, but it was the Society of the Enlightened Moon, I believe. Uh, the Enlightened Society of the Weeping Moon. Boom, there we go. And uh, they had some pretty interesting stuff going on, including their own uh, forms of magic, uh, hedge magic, thaumaturgy, and uh, a lot of uh, interesting ideas for them to be uh, either allies or even antagonists for the uh, werewolves themselves. So that was just kind of a cool thing that I, I touched upon, which uh, maybe we can discuss in the future. Yeah, I, I want to go over this book. It's it's pretty neat. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And uh, we've never really talked about Werewolf the Wild West in the past, so uh, that might be a, a good thing to cover. Maybe we can get uh, the aforementioned Matt back on the show. He is in high demand. So Yeah, definitely. All right, and then uh, in addition to that, we had Cursed Necropolis DC coming out uh, just the week before, so definitely things have been pretty busy over there with uh, the Onyx Path. Um, this is, uh, the first city book for Mummy the Curse, and I haven't really read it that much, so, uh, I, I can't really make any comments at this time, I've unfortunately. I've not looked at it yet, but, so, it was also, remember, a Kickstarter, um, stretch goal reward, so, um, it's the first one of the other books that everyone that pledged to, uh, Mummy will be getting hold of. Mm-hmm. Yep, Definitely. And then the week before that, Mortal Remains came out, and this is a uh, Hunter the Vigil book, which covers, it's essentially the, the final enemy book that they're putting mm -hmm. out. It covers changelings, uh, mummies. Prometheans, Geist. Demons, I think, as well. Demon yeah. as well, yeah. So it covers all these different uh, supernatural types, includes new uh, compacts and conspiracies, and uh, it's generally just been very well received. So uh, that's definitely cool to see for Hunter the Vigil, which hasn't gotten any new material in three or four years at this point. Mm -hmm. I've not looked at it yet either. I need to uh, get a copy of it. All right. Excellent. So uh, uh, in addition to that, just kind of run through real quick. Uh, they've had some more fiction, uh, Predator and Prey, the anthology for uh, Hunters Hunted 2 for uh, Vampire 20th. Uh, they've also released some ready-made characters for Demon and uh, Blood and Smoke. So, mm -hmm. you know, if you need ready-made characters, boom, there you go. And then additionally, something I just wanted to note was that the 
White Wolf has actually re-released Big Eyes Small Mouth 3rd Edition in, uh, in print on demand. And this is just interesting to note because uh, they've been holding on to this Big Eyes Small Mouth uh, uh, license, or actually I guess they kind of own it at this point, uh, for quite some time. And they finally put it out uh, print on demand. And this was a very uh, hard-to-find book. Uh, on eBay, it was going for something like $150 just for the core book, so it's pretty pricey and pretty limited, so it's kind of cool that they're uh, putting that back out. Doesn't that game run on the Tri-Stat system? Yes, it does. Yep. Yeah, I've looked at that in the past, because um, you can download the Tri-Stat system for free, the entirety of it. Um, yeah, I have no ideas. <laughs> Nothing else to say on it other than that, yeah. Yeah, definitely. I, I might check it out uh, sometime in the future. Uh, I'm not sure if I'll specifically get that third edition, but uh, I definitely like to pick up lots of different core rulebooks just to kind of compare and contrast and see what kind of cool mechanics I can grab. So uh, that's definitely uh, definitely good to hear. Ooh, sorry, I was just going through on the drive-through RPG new releases. There's at least one thing that's worth looking at as well. Um, I've heard good things. I've not actually read it. Is um, There's a bundle on there right now for Knights Black Agents, which is a uh, you know mm. vampire conspiracy, conspiracies and everything by uh, Pelgrim Press. So that's that that might be worth people having a look at for further vampire ideas. Um, cool. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, additionally, uh, Peter Harlequin from uh, WadNews.net is starting a new website, uh, Breaking Bad Gaming. It's going to be a hardcore gaming website. Uh, definitely pretty cool. We uh, wish him all the luck. Uh, we'll put a link in the show notes so you can check it out. It's a bit of a work in progress right now because he's still uh, getting everything set up. But uh, yeah, he's going to be starting a new podcast uh, or I guess media cast really because it'll probably be uh, mostly on, uh, on Google Hangout. So uh, yeah, definitely cool, and uh, yeah, we'll uh, we'll see what happens with that in the future. Mm-hmm. I'll and, have to check that out. Yeah, definitely. And speaking of pimping other shows, of course, we would be remiss if we did not mention Midnight Express. Uh, that's kind of our, uh, you know, I'm just gonna say they're our sister show, uh, run by uh, both uh, Adrian and Steve, and they've had two episodes that we didn't mention. Uh, of course, we've got uh, Midnight Express number one, which is covering Werewolf the Apocalypse, just uh, covering the entire gamut of that uh, very fine game. And then also Midnight Express number two, discussing Wraith the Oblivion. So I don't know if you guys checked them out. I definitely gave them both a pretty thorough listen. And uh, yeah, those guys definitely know what they're talking about. Oh, absolutely. I love their shows. Mm-hmm. I need to listen to the Wraith one, because I think that would be... Like they they go through everything, so it's worth listening to for that. Yeah, it was yeah. a very thorough, uh, in depth look at Wraith. So I appreciated it as someone who isn't really a Wraith player. So. Yeah, definitely. And I'll be pretty excited to check out Midnight Express episode number three. And finally, in the news, a little bit of darker days news here. Um, well, Chig, you're going to Gen Con. As I am press. going to Gen Con for the fifth year and press for the first time. That's right. That's right. So you're going to be all professional there in your suit, of course, uh, interviewing all these uh, very fine people, handing out your business card, and uh, yeah, just being the most uh, professional guy around, right? Nothing but the best to represent Darker that's right. Days. That's right. All business, all the time. 
All right, excellent. So, yeah, uh, what are you going to be checking out there? What kind of uh, panels or games do you expect to be attending? Uh, well, like I said, I have already uh, signed up for the two white, or I'm sorry, two Onyx Path panels. Uh, they have two panels on Saturday. What's up with the New World of Darkness? And what's up with the classic World of Darkness? So I'll be going to both of those. Speaking of other podcasts, uh, Ken and Robin talk about stuff. We're going to be recording a live episode, so I'm going to go sit in on that and see how that works. Nice. Uh, signed up for a couple of uh, different games that I've never heard of before and just wanted to try. Uh, Alderac is releasing um, Doomtown, which is a, uh, we can't call it a, uh, it's a deck building game, but they can't use the uh, usual uh, non-collectible card gaming term for it because that's copyrighted by someone else, but it's a deck building game. Okay. Yeah, that's definitely pretty cool. Um, you know, if 2013 was the year of Shadowrun with the 5th edition coming out and all this other new material and really breathing new life into that game, I'm kind of thinking that Deadlands is really making a comeback this year, not only with the card game coming out, um, Savage Worlds has been doing very well for a while, but now there's um, confirmation that there's actually going to be a Deadlands TV show, of all things. Mm. So that's going to be uh, definitely something to check out. Well, hopefully it's as good as uh, as Briscoe County Jr. was for oh. Deadlands. Oh, yeah, damn straight. Damn straight. <laughs> I mean, it's it's interesting. I'm just kind of thinking right now, you know, what good gaming TV or movies have we had um, Kindred, the, Kindred the Embraced is not terrible, it's just not very good. Um, well, I would say, I mean, it was hampered by a few things. If, if you look yeah. at when it came out, you know, it, it, it was certainly better than many of its contemporaries at the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But then, like, you have the D&D &D movies, which are yeah. awful. Uh, well, the first one's a train wreck. But uh, I kind of got until after those. The other two were kind of like watchable in a really campy, funny sort of way. Um, well, there's the uh, the Dark Dungeons. I was going to say, yeah. Out. I don't know if that counts as gaming, but it's gaming related. It is gaming related. <laughs> yeah. The trailer looks looks great. So yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So that could be good. I mean, yeah, for like gamer parody movies. Uh, I mean, Gamers 1 is pretty awful. And the Gamers 2, when you go back and watch it now, is like not really that great. Gamers 3 is kind of cool, I guess, but it's all about collectible card games anyway. So, uh, you know, it might not be up all uh, the uh, up the alley of all of our listeners here. But, uh, yeah, that one's kind of okay. But, yeah, for the actual, like, official gaming movies or whatever, usually it's not very good. I guess is the D&D &D cartoon in the 80s was kind of... Okay. No, you're looking at that through nostalgia glasses. Yes. It, is, it is horrible. Um, there, there are no yeah. redeeming features about the the D and D cartoon. Okay, fine, whatever, man. Gosh. Sorry, I hate to be the one to Gosh. to burst your your cartoon bubble there. All but right. uh, well, fine, whatever, whatever. You know, let's just move on. Okay, just move on. <laughs> um. Yeah, and additionally for conventions, um, I'm going to Origins in two weeks uh, for the first time ever. That's going to be pretty sweet. I uh, made it to the uh, Vampire the Eternal Struggle uh, National or, well, Continental Championship. So I'm going to go to that and probably get my ass handed to me. 
but should be pretty cool to uh, check out that convention anyway. Cool. Sounds super fun. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So I'm pretty, pretty much just going to be playing Vampire the entire time. Uh, Vampire the Eternal Struggle. Uh, maybe some Battlestar Galactica, because that seems to be pretty popular with the, uh, that whole crew, that whole community, really. So that's uh, definitely going to be good. But finally, just to, uh, you know, let, uh, let Chris jump in here. Uh, you going to uh, Essen this year? I will mostly go to um, Spiel again, um, yeah. because it's... You know, it, it, for for Europe, I guess you know, it is one of the it is the largest European gaming convention. It is predominantly uh, board games and uh, CCGs being shown. Now, there's no real tournament stuff going on, I don't think. Um, but I imagine that, given the amount of Kickstarter stuff that has gone on in the last in the last year. There'll be even more, uh, you know, minis there. Um, RPGs mm-hmm. are, I think, are barely represented. Normally, you'll have, um, I think, the the biggest people there for RPGs is say um, uh, Ulysses um, Games, who do all the tr- German translation uh, for things like um, for things like Iron Kingdoms and all the Private Press stuff. I think they also translate uh, BattleTech. And everything to do with that, and mm-hmm. they also hold the IP for the Dark Eye, which is a German D and D like kind of RPG. Uh, yep, I've heard of that one. Yeah, it had one das English. Schwarzaug. Yeah, yeah, one English release, which uh, didn't do so well. Yeah, they, they also have some other RPG stuff there, but it's yeah, it's mainly going to be miniature stuff there. So I'm sure uh, Mantic will be there and Hawk Games and uh, a few others and again it'd be nice if actually people from Private Press can make it over but you know it's it's Europe and you know Games Workshop only ever takes uh, Forge World there so um, hmm. less said about Games Workshop this week than <laughs> wait better. that's right <laughs> actually you know what just another side tangent here um, yeah they so I think la- yesterday or yes. maybe two days ago yep two days ago they released Warhammer 40k 7th edition. That's yeah. that's good, right? It's going to have some improvements, right? You know, the real the real problem is that Warhammer 40k 6th edition came out less two. than 2 years ago. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um good and work games most- workshop. Uh really making it obvious that you care about your uh gamers and uh do your do good with your rules and all that. Well, 7th edition is not your father's uh, Warhammer. It's your no. slightly older brother's. It's, um... It, yeah. I mean, the, they, they announced they were putting things in it, so they've reintroduced a proper psychic phase, from what I've read. So that kind of pushes the game back to being more like, um... Actually, it makes it more similar to 40k second edition, which is where I started with it. Hmm. So that's like back in 1990. That came out in 1992, uh, second edition, I think. Um, yeah. Um, oh, it's just they've got a whole load of things. They've got this unbound the armies that you can do. So normally you have a force organization chart, so you're limited on what you can take. Now they've got Unbound, which means you can take what you like. So there's two different play styles. Obviously, Unbound means you can ha- take completely cheesy armies and or play proper themes. Um, 
but really a, a new edition of the game out two years after the previous one. Um, and we'll have to keep in mind that three months, three or four months ago, GW stock dropped by 25%. And yeah. in the next coming weeks, they will have their quarterly financials out. And notice that they lost a whole, whole load of income from due to no longer THQ folding. So that all their computer games and royalties from that is just gone. And uh, to add to that is that it, uh, people who pick through the numbers, Games Workshop are still maintaining their profits while selling less. So read into that what you want. And it's now however much, you know, Kickstarter stuff, and you've got Mantic, which basically say, here are our rules, use whichever miniatures you like. Or you've got Private Press, let's bring out more, more and more stuff. And you've got, you know, Kingdom Death and all these other new war games coming out, which are moving into these areas. It's just, yeah. I still think hmm. the, um, I still think, I still think they're, uh, the writing is on the wall for them. Unless they do something drastic. Yeah. Well, we've been saying that for a long time now. So they're it's probably been gonna, said for a long time, They're yeah. going to keep holding on probably for a couple of years. But uh, yeah, things are not looking good over there. But anyway, anyway, back to the world of darkness, everyone. <laughs> back to the world of darkness. Not okay. Dark All right. Uh, I think that's just about it for the uh, recent World of Darkness, Onyx Path, and Dark Days Radio news. So let's move on over to the classic world of darkness. Classic World of Darkness. So, Chig, we uh, got a bunch of interesting questions uh, regarding Changeling from uh, Tom Plasso, one of our uh, listeners and uh, uh, distinguished fans of the World of Darkness. And when I'm saying we got some questions, I mean we got like 20. So, I think it would be good for us to, uh, you know, kind of uh, sit back, answer a couple of them, and, uh, you know... See what uh, what kind of insight, Chig, you can give to the uh, the game of Changeling the Dreaming. But I think before we get started with all the questions, Changeling's a game that has a lot of room for interpretation, doesn't it? Yeah, more than probably any other classic World of Darkness game, it uh, changed developers and changed focus and changed everything a couple couple of times. So it's not really the most coherent rule set in the classic world of darkness, but uh, I, I enjoy the setting. It's my favorite game. So maybe I'm just a glutton for punishment, but uh, so yeah, we have some rules questions. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I guess I'll, uh, Chig, I will pose the questions to you and you can answer them. So um, first question uh, concerning the treasure's background, I have a player who has three dots in treasure, a magical hammer. It possesses the uh, gimmicks can cantrip, which is a one-dot effect, but the treasure is three dots. How do you work this out? Do the three dots of the treasure act as a substitute for the uh, character's personal Laguerre domain art, die pool? You're going to you're gonna have to jump in here and explain half of the stuff for uh, the rest of our listeners. Right, uh, we'll do try. treasures have built-in realms that are limited to effect, or can they affect nothing without the wielder's personal realm and die pools? Does the player have to spend glamour to use his 
treasure, or can you use this cantrip for free because it's contained within the treasure? I think that's a good place to stop because wow, that's uh, that's that's a, a lot question. of a <laughs> lot of stuff bundled up in there. Yes, you are correct. To answer the first question, the easiest question here, a uh, player has a three-dot treasure that contains a one-dot effect. Uh, treasure, <clears throat> excuse me, treasure is the is one of the um, stuff backgrounds in Changeling the Dreaming. It's like um, wonder for mage or um, what are they? The starts with the a fetish for for werewolf. It's one of the mm-hmm. the magical things that you can own backgrounds. There's a couple of those in Changeling for various reasons. But anyway, um, like most other World of Darkness games, um, it's a one dot for one dot of effect. So to answer the, the first question, if you have a three dot treasure that has a one dot uh, effect, then it is in fact a one dot treasure. It is in fact the gimmick's uh, uh, magical treasure is one of the examples for the one dot treasure in the core book. Now, to move on, do the three dots of the treasure act as a substitute for the character's personal ledger domain art die pool? Uh, yes, if you have a treasure that can do something that you can't do because you don't have that, that magical power, then your treasure still is able to do it regardless of whether you're, you personally are able to do it or not. That's one of the reasons to buy a treasure. Uh, what's a ledger domain art? Ledger Domain is one of the uh, one, two, three, four, five, six arts presented in the uh, Changing the Dreaming core book. It is um, supposed to be sleight of hand and illusion. It's kind of like uh, the stage magic art. Uh, Gimmicks, the first dot of it, which is the question here, is uh, lets you move things telekinetically. So the... um, Example in the core book that I mentioned earlier for the gimmicks thing is a, a horseshoe magnet that lets you move things telekinetically. Okay, cool. Well, Chig, that's a pretty good answer so far, but on page 149 of the second edition core rulebook, under the treasure's background, it says, since treasures are invested with glamour, they have the effect of enchanting mortals who touch them. Is this effect free, or does the owner of the treasure still have to spend glamour to enchant a mortal? Nope, it's completely free. Oh, it says so, it says so right there on page 149. If, if Johnny Mortal picks up Excalibur, which is a, uh, a super mega powerful treasure sword, then he, can, then he is enchanted for as long as he has that in his hand. He can see changelings, he can see Chimera, he can see all kinds of stuff from the Dreaming. He can interact with the dreaming. He can be uh, in, affected by treasures. I'm sorry, by uh, arts that only affect uh, those who are enchanted. He is enchanted as long as he has whatever treasure it is on him. Now, because treasures are so rare and so difficult to create, as we will get to later, I'm sure, um, this is kind of a poor use of treasures. Like I said, if you have if you have access to Excalibur and you have the ability to enchant somebody by putting your own glamour, your own power source into a uh, cookie and feeding it to them, then letting them hold on to Excalibur is kind of a waste of having access to Excalibur. Hmm. But hey, if that's how you want to use your treasures, I'm not going to stop you. Right on. 
But Chig, what's the primary difference between a chimerical item and a treasure? Well, a chimerical item, which is the other uh, magical stuff background in Changeling, is something that has no um, real-world counterpart. So you can't give it to somebody who isn't enchanted, somebody who isn't enchanted or naturally able to see uh, changelings and chimera and spirit world stuff can't even doesn't even is not a, able to be aware of its existence unless they are enchanted. Um, a treasure has a real world counterpart. So the uh, the um, aforementioned hammer is a really real hammer that anybody could pick up. If it was a chimeric hammer, then only a changeling or somebody who can see chimera could pick that up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, let's move on to the next one. All righty. Next question. Do you have a revision that you prefer for how arts and realms work? Chig, before you even get started with this question, could you quickly explain arts and realms and just try to give us a feeling for the... Uh, different powers and requirements uh, that are included in Changeling and Dreaming? I will do my best. Uh, Changeling powers are divided into two different sections, and it's fairly simple to comprehend, but it's fairly difficult to actually play. Um, Changeling have arts, which is what you can do, and they have realms, which is what you can do it to. So, for instance... Uh, there is the changeling art that we've already mentioned before of Ledger Domain. And it has within it five powers, because White Wolf loves fives. Um, it has the power of gimmicks, which lets you maneuver things telekinetically. We went over that. Uh, it has the power of ensnare, which uh, lets you uh, use telekinesis better and also let you um, have whatever's lying around grab on to somebody. So, thus the name Ensnare. You can, you can tie people down. Or things, or whatever. Uh, it has Effigy, which is the third dot power, which creates a duplicate of whatever you're affecting. It has Mooch, which uh, lets you teleport things from one place to another. And finally... It has uh, the fifth dot power, Phantom Shadows, which creates perfect, perfect copies of something. Now, I keep saying of something, because what it makes a copy of or what you're moving around depends on what realm you combine with that art. There are uh, six realms. Well, there are four realms, and then there are two realms that are almost always modifiers, just to make it that much more entertaining. Uh, the four primary realms are actor, which are people. Uh, there's nature, which is things. There's, well, I take that back. Nature is natural things. Prop is created things. Finally, fey is creatures of the dreaming, whether that's changelings or nobles or Fomorians or whatever affects it of the, if it is a, a creature of the dreaming. Now there are two additional realms that, like I said, are almost always modifiers. They aren't. You can almost never affect just scene because scene modifies it to affect multiple of the items within an area. You with me so far? 
Uh, yep. <laughs> Uh, let's uh, let's use um, gimmicks, our favorite uh, example art. Uh, gimmicks is uh, low-level telekinesis. Okay, it lets you move the first dot. Lets you move things around that are up to about twenty-five pounds. So let's say that you want to instead of moving that one uh, empty trash can into that corner, you want to move all the empty trash cans into the corner. Well, that would be um, prop to use something that's been created and it would use scene because it's more than one of them in an area. Now there's also time, which is the final realm. Uh, that is almost always used just to uh, delay something. So if you want to move all those trash cans into the corner in an hour, well then you have to add time to your scene and prop. And you have to have every single realm if you want to affect something in that realm. So if you want to delay your cantrip from going off and you don't have time, too bad. If you want to um, use hopscotch to push three mortals out of the way and you only have a actor but no scene, two of those mortals are not going to be pushed out of the way. It's a very, very expensive uh, magic system. Hmm. Interesting. Okay, but to move on to the actual question. Actual question. Okay. Many of the arts seem very limited in effect and duration, and when you add in the division between Fey and Autumn World affecting realms, uh, it seems that uh, it can take a great deal of time and experience to be able to get more use out of your arts. In particular, in the Autumn World, which is you know, the real mortal world, you need a different realm to affect different objects. But in the Dreaming, one realm, Fey, covers everything. It almost seems like in the uh, Dreaming, the Fey realm is supposed to be coupled with the Autumn realm in order to affect whatever you target. It almost does seem like that, but uh, no. As The rules as written state that if you have Fey, uh, then you can affect whatever it is from the Dreaming. Uh, whether that's what was intended or not, we may never know. But uh, that is definitely how they wrote it down. Um, I agree with you that, yes, it is very expensive to affect multiple things. It is uh, very difficult to uh, become a master uh, changeling sorcerer. Um, them's kind of the breaks of playing a dying breed in a world that hates you, I guess. Um, now, there are ways around this. Um, in, in canon, you can figure out when you're doing character creation what kind of effects you want to be able to do. And you can say, well, I want to be able to make all of the mortals in the area get thrown safely out of the way of that speeding bus. So you buy actor and you buy scene. Uh, this is very metagamey, obviously, as you're doing it out, out of character uh, when you make your point selection. Um, so... Maybe you want to do that, maybe you don't. It's entirely up to you. I do take issue with you saying that the uh, the powers are, are kind of weak and limited. It depends entirely on how creative you can be with the power and how creative your storyteller will allow you to be with the power. Um, there are some that are obviously more, more useful in more situations than others. Uh, 
but uh yeah you can you can get up to some really fun and exciting stuff um my favorite example of this is portal passage which is uh from the wayfair art and it lets you um base it it basically creates an opening in whatever you want to get through up to 10 feet um if you have fey and there is a uh group of uh troll linebackers bearing down on you you cast portal passage and you just jump right through those guys like they aren't there you become the uh changeling kitty pride good for you nice that is the uh the official uh in game answer there are other ways around this um and the one that i think is probably the easiest is to just go out and buy the mage supplement uh sorcerer because it has a whole bunch of sorcerer paths that you can learn instead of the uh, the arts they're they're cheaper they're more limited in scope because you know they're they're path magic and that's just how path magic is it does one thing and it does it well um and personally um i've been telling myself for a while that i need to sit down with uh, a copy of demon the fallen and just figure out how their lore system works and steal it for changing the dreaming and that's a, a project that I may or may never actually get to. So if we do, I will let you guys know. All right. Awesome. Awesome. But let's talk about equipment again. All let's. right. You know, crafting and, you know, forging Chimera. So what's kind of the difference between um, Chimerical material and Dream Stuff? Uh, dream Stuff is only needed to create treasures, but why not Chimerical items? Um, if a knocker or a boggin makes a chimerical action figure toy for a young changeling, uh, that would be a chimerical item requiring no dream stuff. Uh, and it would be fairly simple to create, right? One would think. One of the, the supplements, one of the later supplements, uh, included some rules on how to make treasures and how to make chimera that are just, just awful. And I would never, ever use those rules. Like you, like you say in your, your question here, uh, yeah, it's, it's dumb to require you... To, if, if you, if you, ha- you want to make a... Um, if you have a chimerical tree and you want to make a chimerical mop handle, just use your chimeric knife to whittle the tree branch down. You don't need to go out onto a super ridiculous quest into the dreaming and get some dragon's bane and some mermaid's tears and this and that and the other to do something that your your crafting kith should just be able to do or anybody who has a chimeric knife a couple of dots in craft and access to a chimeric tree should be able to do now if you're going to do something ridiculous like try to create a treasure then yeah maybe you want to use those rules where you have to go on a super long quest and get dream stuff which is just random basically items from the dreaming to uh make these insanely powerful real world items that have super inherent effects but yes if you're just going to make just an everyday chimeric item like a sword or a suit of armor or books or ink or whatever and just just use your craft skills. Just do it. That's what craft skills are for. 
Yep. No, that definitely makes sense. Uh, definitely keep it simple. Um, cool. So, all right, next up, uh, Dreams and Nightmares has some uh, rules for conjunction or harvest time. Uh, so time works differently in the dreaming, uh, but let's say that uh, you're in an autumn world in a freehold on October 30th, and you decide to use a trod to find a chimerical material in the dreaming to build something. Maybe it takes you a few days to quest for that material to make your uh, sweet hammer. Um, how can you predictably arrive somewhere in the dreaming on the 31st of October in time to reap the benefits of the rule of conjunction? So I think we have to kind of explain what the rule of conjunction actually is in the first place. Um, the rule of conjunction, like most of the, of the rules and concepts that they came out with for dreams and nightmares, is pretty awful. And it's not something... <laughs> calling it like I see it and it's it's uh, not something that I would use um, it's basically a, a a day of power where you can uh, go out because you know the planets align it's October 31st it's Halloween it's you know oh, okay. a, a, a day of power so everything is is better that day um, I wouldn't use these rules for anything. I don't see them. I don't see why they would come up in a stand in a, in a regular changeling game. Uh, it's something that takes place in the autumn world. You shouldn't be running off to the dreaming to do much of anything. Um, and time in the dreaming moves at the speed of plot. So if you leave the day before, you need to get somewhere, and it's going to take you three days of questing and fighting ogres and dragons and trees that throw their apples at you to get there, then the uh, storyteller can say, well, hey, you still made it because it's the dreaming and time travel and time works differently here. Or you can get there in 10 minutes and the storyteller can say, nah, I don't want you guys to have that. So uh, it took you actually six weeks to get here, real world time. It's, it's kind of dumb. Like I said, like, like most of dreams and nightmares, it's, it's kind of dumb. So just ignore that and pretend it never happened. Yeah. Just as a kind of fun side fact, uh, Wraith the Oblivion does have rules for, um, you know, particular days like Halloween or, uh, um, perhaps like the, uh, anniversary of your death and, and stuff like that. Uh, the shroud level actually will lower in areas, um, so it's a lot easier for wraiths to uh, to affect things in the mortal world. So uh, it definitely makes sense there for that game. But I do understand that uh, having events in the autumn world affect or have uh, or cause you to want to go into the dreaming and do things in the dreaming seems like it's uh, it's a little silly uh, overall and uh, generally inefficient to the story. Well, yes and no. Um, changelings are trying to avoid winter. Uh, we're currently living in the autumn world. It's all about the change of the seasons, which, you know, October 31st, Samhain is kind of ties into that. It's mm-hmm. when the, uh, the summer court steps down traditionally and the winter court takes over. So, I mean, I can, I can kind of see where the authors were coming from with this, but uh, the rule system that they put down, just, it's just not good. <laughs> All right, cool. All right, Chig. Let's uh, dive back into these. So, uh, Dreams and Nightmares mentions tempering a treasure when making it and says that glamour must be invested 
but doesn't make it clear how and how much glamour needs to be invested. What do you think? This is another one of those dreams and nightmares rules. Um, dreams and nightmares, again, not a very good book. Um, I think maybe that the authors were, plan- were waiting for the full rules to come out in the, um, the book of glamour, which, as every changeling uh, fan knows, never actually saw the light of day. It was supposed to have a revised arts and realm system, a one-stop shopping for your uh, chimeric and treasures rules needs, but uh, it never actually, I'm not sure if writing ever finished on it or if they just didn't publish what they had for some reason, but uh, yeah, More, more dreams and nightmares issues that we can just ignore because it's not a good book. Okay, perfect. Moving on. So how do you handle the effects of the mist on dreamers? It seems really difficult for changelings to find and cultivate dreamers uh, and eventually enchant them and bring them into the dreaming for a little inspiration uh, if they actually go comatose when they're brought back out. Uh, That will require a great deal of looking after and would be very difficult to explain in a fairly uh, reality-based game. A significant increase in mysterious coma victims would uh, also attract hunters to the area, wouldn't it? How do you suggest handling the mists in a game where mortals and dreamers play a big role? That's a really interesting question and not one that I've ever really seen put forward before. Um, The short answer is you should never, ever, 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 ever even attempt to bring some, a person into the dreaming, whether they're enchanted or not. It's, it's not a, uh, environment that is conducive to, uh, to mortals. Um, it's also against, uh, the Eshiot, which is the, uh, the changeling laws. Uh, they have, uh, the right to dream, uh, which says that you will never reveal yourself or the dreaming to mortals because they are banal and will, uh, whether they want to or not, will destroy us. Um, it's also just a really bad idea to bring anything uh, banal into the dreaming. Um, it's one of the, the story lines is that uh, the, the, uh, the she were ejected from the dreaming and uh, they cannot get back to Arcadia, and no one's really sure why. Uh, one of the, the theories is that uh, the mortal souls that the, the she have been uh, displacing and sending back to Arcadia, uh, because those mortal souls are, they contain banality, they are what is, uh, is triggering winter and what's making it impossible for any changeling to get back because there is now banality in the heart of the dreaming, which is the, uh, the source of all glamour, or at least the home of all glamour. Um, so yeah, bringing any, anything with even a trace amount of banality into the dreaming, horrible, horrible idea. Not good for the dreaming, not good for the, the dreamer. Uh, now to get back to your, your question here, um, how do you, how do you muse someone? Um, for those who aren't changeling players, musing is one of the ways in which a changeling, it's the, the best way, according to the good guys, uh, in Changeling, in which you uh, can get glamour from somebody who produces glamour. And basically, uh, you you inspire them in some way, some shape, some form. 
whether it's just a, an attaboy and a pat on the back and a, hey, yeah, you should, you should really pursue your poetry instead of your, your soul-crushing job, or whether it's uh, becoming a literal patron of the arts and uh, funding local artists to do whatever it is that they do. Uh, so yeah, you shouldn't you you shouldn't be enchanting your dreamers to uh, try to get more glamour out of them. Um, that's very close to uh, uh, to ravaging when you think about it, which is the the quick and dirty method of getting glamour out of somebody, where you just terrify them and scare it out of them by giving them a, a glimpse of uh, chimeric reality. All right, sweet. So that's it for all the questions. Uh, Chris, do you have any comments or uh, anything? I really can't comment on any of this whatsoever. <laughs> Whoosh, right over the head. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Changeling's definitely a pretty complex game, but uh, as we mentioned very early on, uh, there's a lot of room for interpretation, that sort of thing, just uh, simply because of how it was written and uh, the whole effects of the, the dreaming world. So uh, it's definitely yeah, good these, to... Uh, the answers I gave are, are just my answers, and they are in no way official answers. So uh, take everything that you heard here with a grain of salt. <laughs> but uh, just to inject a little horror into this segment, uh, Chig, I looked over at my bookshelf, and what's the only Changeling book I have right here? I'm going to go ahead and guess, based on the fact that they made a billion of them and they sold them for about a nickel each, that it is Freeholds and Hidden Glens. No, it's Dreams and Nightmares. Oh, you got these, oh. man. Gosh. <laughs> yeah, not not a uh, not the finest changeling book. Nope. And with that, let's move on over to the secret frequency. During the Vietnam War. U.S. strategists had a genius psychological warfare idea. You see, the Vietnamese believe in the wandering soul, a superstition where the dead must be buried in their homeland, or their soul will wander aimlessly in pain and suffering. These souls can be communicated with on the anniversary of their death, but only near where they died. Such was the genesis of Operation Wandering Soul, U.S. engineers recorded eerie wailing sounds to be played in the jungle. These recordings begged Vietnamese soldiers to defect or desert, to run home, or suffer the same fate. The recordings, such as the infamous Ghost Tape 10, were distributed to special PSYOP teams who played them during their missions. <laughs>
Operation Wandering Soul met with mixed results. One success came after planting rumors of tiger attacks in a local village, and then playing the ghost tape along with tiger roars. 150 Viet Cong fled the mountain because of a two-man team with a loudspeaker. Another operation, which played the sounds from a helicopter, did not phase the enemy troops at all. And they in fact just started shooting at the helicopter. Now, in the world of darkness, Operation Wandering Soul has a lot of potential. Of course, we all realize that the recording could truly be the Restless Dead. That's an easy conclusion to make. But what's interesting to consider is why and how. Why is the US government using real spirits in these operations? And how are they doing it? In Wraith the Oblivion, ghosts exist outside our world in the parallel Shadowlands. Crossing and affecting the shroud between worlds uh, is actually pretty difficult in the 1970s, uh, before the sixth great maelstrom occurs. One possibility is that the ghost tapes actually contain a fetter, an object that binds a wraith to the Skinlands. This fetter, as well as a ritual that conjure the wraith in the Skinlands, will cause a wraith to follow the infantry units on their mission, moaning in agony the entire way. Of course, that first night, the technician tries to shut off the sound, and he can't. Then he realizes the sound doesn't even come from the speaker at all. Soul-forged items are also notorious for projecting soft moans of the souls they once were. Perhaps Necronauts were able to retrieve soul-forged obelai and other items uh, to bring back to the real world. What if a veteran brings back said Ovali uh, with him after the war, and what if a wraith comes looking for his soul-forged friend? Operation Wandering Soul may represent something even more devious. Perhaps the ghost tapes are actually the voices of specters, the wraith agents of oblivion, uh, which will drive off wraiths which may be watching over friends and family amongst the Viet Cong. Of course, the ghost tapes might not be ghosts at all. Strix shrieks and bastet moans, any number of suffering sounds could disturb the supernatural creatures inhabiting a war zone. The idea of Operation Wandering Soul may even be useful to avoid engineer cleaning crew. Just playing the sounds uh, from the spirit world may be enough to confuse or disturb the changing breeds or bygones that they are hunting down. And the concept of a wandering soul is also a wonderful foil for Prometheans. Uh, being forced to wander the land in search of their own humanity uh, is kind of what Prometheans do. And uh, helping lay a wandering soul to rest could be an interesting milestone for the created. And it's also great because it will provide a long-term NPC unaffected by the disquiet uh, that the Prometheans can actually interact with. So, what do you guys think of the uh, wandering soul? I think My... it sounds really creepy. <laughs> yep. First idea is that this is all uh, part of a infrastructure for the God Machine. Uh, given, uh, given the uh, proximity of Vietnam to Cambodia and such a temple, such as uh, the famous Angkor Wat temples, which are oh, yeah. renowned for um, apparently having a cult meaning within them because of like the um, the structure of the temples have uh, a cult numerolo numerology built into it and they make reference to the churning of the Milky Sea which is where you have uh, uh, demons and angels on either side uh, tugging and pulling at this uh, pillar which churns the, the Milky Sea which is uh, which apparently 
is a reference to the processional cycle of the Earth and to the Milky Way and how the alignment of the stars changes over, I think it's a 12,700-year uh, cycle, something like that. So, what if this is all just a infrastructure of the God Machine? So it's the, the cover infrastructure is obviously the war itself, or part of the war. And then this next part of the infrastructure that it then has in place is the recordings of the dead, which it has actually, it are actually the recordings of the dead, however it's achieved that. And the aim then it, for the next, for the occult matrix that it's bringing together is to create a, uh, to create a, um, a resonant, a, a death resonance with the, with some Temple. I'm not going to say Angkor Wat, there could be other ones nearby that are lost in the jungles. I mean, it's just as bad as South America in that sense. Uh, with some sort of temple there uh, to bring into the world either to cause monumental death so that it can open a gate into the underworld and recover some artifact for another task that it has, or to awaken some angel or, you know, uh, or whatever else the god machine needs to do to harvest souls or whatever because the you, know, you have all these occult matrices that the god machine uh, enables but what it's getting out at the end may be uh, less well known the, the infrastructures in between are the things that the demons are more likely able to understand what the output is so that they can interfere with the final occult matrix that's being brought about so that's one idea. Totally. Jake, you got something? Um, my first idea was, uh, or my first thoughts rather, were um, about the uh, the laugh tracks that you hear on uh, sitcoms. Uh, they do something kind of similar. Um, they were all recorded just years and years and years and decades and decades ago. So a lot of the voices that you hear laughing uh, are, by now, they've passed away. Uh, so it's kind of the opposite direction of where this is going uh, in that this is meant to uh, to freak people out whereas the uh, the laugh tracks are kind of meant to uh, get people into the the happy laughy mood but uh, that's that's where my mind immediately went hmm interesting you know one thing you could do with these recordings is um Take that sort of uh, J horror theme of uh, of <clears throat> not really of there there being some requirement or some ritual that you just don't even know about. You know, for example, maybe you have to watch these sitcoms to keep something away. Uh, maybe these soldiers have to actually be playing these moaning sounds in the jungle to um, let's say confuse uh, the local angels and infrastructure uh, of the god machine. Um, by playing these sounds, because because angels do affect the spirit realm in the new world of darkness, it distracts them from the uh, the, the mortals who are actually doing um, whatever they need to, whatever sort of occult slash military operation they have going on. So that's another uh, kind of cool thing you could uh, play around with with this one. Yeah, what works into that is um, so one of the God Machine cults is uh, the Deva Corporation. And one of the things they interact with is something known as the Apocalypse Clock, which uh, essentially informs them of when an apocalypse is about to occur in the world of darkness, and informs on informs them of how they go about stopping that. So, 
normally the ways of stopping this is to you have to uh, there's a specific person or persons that must die and they must die in a specific way so what if this specific way of causing death was using uh, these recordings so you create this absolute fear of death and as they then flee they're gunned down by or, or, or incinerated by napalm and that is uh, something that has prevented uh, the apocalypse as determined by the apocalypse clock hmm that's a fun idea <laughs> uh, let's think um, is there anything from uh, it, it could have been you could imagine it's something maybe a tactic used uh, way back when um, by something like the New World Order uh, in their fight against some form of reality deviant that was uh, uh, invading the world uh, during the Vietnam War. Maybe uh, hmm. they use a similar tactic in uh, in in modern uh, in modern wars across the world uh, as they have to use these screeches to uh, to um, prevent something crossing over. Uh, that would be kind of cool. That'd be really neat. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of some other ones. Um, I think for werewolf, maybe less so. Promethean. We've, uh, I'm just trying to think of something for Promethean. Um, nothing's coming. I don't know. I mean, there. I like I like the idea that maybe Prometheans could uh, get along with ghosts somewhat. I mean, I know in the New World of Darkness that ghosts are more these sort of rote operations, um, you know, kind of repeating things that they've done uh, in the past before their death many times, um, which actually, now that I think about it, means they play in pretty well with the God Machine, don't they? Yeah. Um, Just a bit. Hmm. Hmm, interesting. But if you do kind of inject a bit more humanity into them, uh, they could make very interesting uh, uh, NPCs, simply because they're unaffected by uh, the disquiet and uh, they don't care about wasteland effects at all because it doesn't affect them. Well, maybe it does. I mean, you never know. You could actually include it that uh, uh, Prometheans do affect the uh, spirit realm quite a bit, which would be a great crossover with uh, with Werewolf. Um, um, dangerous you could crossover. Imagine that maybe also, I mean, the t that type of action of using sounds is maybe something, uh, something that the... Uh, some sort of hunter group maybe makes use of as a tactic so it uses the screams of the of the of the dead of the ghosts of the victims of say of a particular monster in order to uh, harass it um, hmm. or perhaps or, that hunter cell always records the death of their victims yeah that's uh, great so it becomes a ever um, ever growing dirge uh, mm -hmm. Or going down the mage route, and again taking inspiration from our our favourite antagonist, the uh, Prince of a Thousand Leaves. What if it is part of uh, numerous projects of sound, and are all part of uh, some weird occult physics, uh, where some entity is trying to essentially create um, uh, to bring its to bring its voice into being. So. You know, as in, you know, the first word of God created the the universe, that kind of thing. Or maybe this God is wanting to come in, into existence, and it's it needs each of these sounds to be played at the right place at the right time. 
and so this one is with these, uh, you know, the moans of the dead, somewhere else it may be uh, a particular song, maybe a piece by uh, the missing song of Vivaldi, and all of these are all parts of a, of a larger of a larger sound, so, you know, the, the bloop and all these other random uh, sound things, and they're all just the entire gestalt soundscape is actually the, uh, the embodiment of this entity. The cries of dying mortals are the only thing that can drown out the choir of the God Machine's angels. I like mm-hmm. that. Whoa. Whoa. So, on to the new world of darkness? Yeah, I think so. Okay, perfect. <laughs> World of Darkness 2.0. Alright, Chris. Um, talking about the God Machine quite a bit, so uh, let's move on to Demon. Yes. Um, we talked quite a bit about Demon when we had uh, Matt on. So I think we can we can quickly... Do we want to do a quick... How do we want to atta- attack this? Because I don't think we need to do as much of an overview of the entire game as such. I think what we're looking at here is maybe more insight that we now have from this book into uh, the types of characters you can run, the type of powers that are there, the type of interesting mechanics, and how we would run this game. Um, So, um, where to begin? Um, So, Demon the Descent, obviously, you are playing these, uh, you're playing demons which were once angels of the God Machine. Uh, Angels of the God Machine are agents of the God Machine. They they enact its will on Earth. Uh, they are attached to it. They're not completely omnipotent. They're, the angels are very, uh, I would say, efficiently built. They're built for a specific purpose. And so that can sometimes hamper them uh, uh, to the point that it causes them to fall and become a demon. Or they... they, uh, they Follow their their goal, their their uh, programming, so single-mindedly that they become so focused on a certain person, a certain place, a certain thing that they also fall. Uh, and so there's numerous ways that a demon can come into being, and they fall into uh, the demons themselves. Then are classified based upon the type of angel they used to be. So you have angels which are the destroyers. Uh, so these, so sorry, the demons are called destroyers because, as angels, their purpose was simply to kill and destroy certain things. Uh, guardians, which is they obviously protect something, uh, and so obviously you can see how that that works with the idea of infrastructures that you have to destroy things to make way for infrastructures, or you've got to protect certain infrastructures or certain people, mortals that are able to, you know enable these infrastructures. Messengers obviously interact with mortals and, and push them and nudge them to do certain things for the god machine. You then have psychopomps who are, are more like... Uh, they, they're the ones that apparently gather the raw material, so they're really involved in in enabling the redirection of, of, of things, whether it's electricity, power, water... Uh, other raw materials other, or, or people so that infrastructures can come into play. And then, you're, then your demons fall into generally one of four of genders, which are inquisitors, that they wish to know more about the god machine so that they can flee it and, and hide better. 
integrators that want to know more about the God Machine so that they can understand why they fell and then potentially uh, understand how they can reinsert themselves into the God Machine, but, and here's the important thing, still retain their individuality. So they also kind of want to rework the God Machine so it does things better. You then have the saboteurs who are just so hateful of the God Machine, they'll just want to stop all of its uh, infrastructures and remove the God Machine once and for all. And tempters who are essentially, they're demons that are very much engrossed in their new mortal state and also try and tempt other angels into enjoying and reveling in the mortal realm. And obviously playing a demon is, becoming a demon is a, is a, uh, a monumental event as a demon is, is as, as the angel falls, they are cut off from the God machine and all of this cosmic power is focused into, into a single entity, this entity being the cover that they had at that moment. And so obviously they have a mask, which is the, the mortal kind of uh, face that they have of the world based upon that first cover they have. They may also have a number of other covers they were using that they have access to. And covers then is maybe the one place I think, Mike, we can jump in and talk about the mechanics on because covers are linked to um, the morality uh, stat uh, within Demon the Descent. Uh, yep, it is. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so obviously, the morality stat uh, in Demon the Descent is sorry, I can't remember off the top of my head because I'm flicking through other things. It's called. Uh, is it just called? It's called integrity. Yep. And uh, that ba essentially relates to how well uh, the demon is able to hide itself from the god machine. So, higher integrity is better. Different covers have different integrity. So that, that then you can compare to, say, to Vampire. So in Vampire, humanity, I think, parallels integrity quite well because it's about how well do you disguise yourself as a human. But whereas a vampire only has just the one humanity, a demon has multiple integrities to make use of. Then, obviously, related to these... In, uh, their integrity is linked to each of their covers and based upon their uh, their their primium which is basically their power stat much like blood potency they can command a number of a number of covers some of these covers are fully fledged because they have uh stolen them from mortals by uh performing some sort of uh pact other ones are patch jobs from smaller packs where they haven't completely de deleted someone from existence, and they've, you know, they've pa they've done this patch job of a cover uh, by taking someone's boyfriend from one place, someone's job from another, someone's uh, uh, poverty, someone's, uh, you know, all these other things. They're all just put together to give this this uh, this identity that they can make use of. And of course, if a demon wishes to, they can uh, they can reveal themselves in full. And so, part of character creation, there is a lot. There are a lot of different. Um, there's a lot of different uh, 
characteristics uh, that you can use to uh, create your demonic form. And uh, part of using your demonic form is if you want, you can go loud, which is, which is, um, Mike, you, you've read through the going loud? Uh, I have not, but... Okay. Uh... So going loud, um, obviously your demon only has access to a certain amount of etheric resonance and primium. By going loud, you are opening yourself to the full power, power possible of your cosmic ent- of the cosmic entity that you are. And so you drop your cover, you essentially are, are almost burning, burning it off. And you then can act as if you've got full, you've refilled your etheric resonance. And I think it also means you essentially act as if you've got primium 10. So, mm. You know how a, a mummy wakes up and he's all kind of pissed and has maximum... Oh, I can't even remember what the... Uh, second. Second. You have maximum second and all that stuff. And he's pretty much able to destroy an entire city block. In a similar way, demons are able to do that. But, you know, the price for that is quite high. Um, yeah. So there's a lot of stuff there with Primium and the... Etheric resonance and covers. Um, yes, yeah. Just to uh, jump in here, covers really yeah. interesting because it, it again shows a departure from the uh, the old paradigm of the world of darkness. You know, when we look at Vampire the Masquerade when it came out um, back in 1991. You had humanity, and uh, humanity essentially started started high. You know, eight maybe seven, and typically just went downward. It was a downward spiral, and they kept that. Uh, with the new world of darkness when uh the core rule came out the old blue book uh with morality just being this downward spiral kind of like similar to sanity in in call of cthulhu um but now with uh with god machine chronicle with uh with blood and smoke and now demon we're seeing that there's a real real shift in how these uh these morality integrity stats really work and that's why it's so interesting to look at uh covers because they can typically go down as, as your cover is sort of blown, but they can also go up and you can increase them by grabbing um, little aspects from other people to bring in there. Uh, and you also have multiple, which is something we've never seen before. So I just really wanted to point out how, how innovative it is right now with uh, this entire system in, in Demon the Descent. Yeah, I mean, all of the morality stats across New World and Otness, there's, there's more of a sense of, I would say, uh, more diversity in the way to to make use of them, and and they they do work in, in very different ways now. They've got away from that very Victorian doing bad things makes you your morality drop and you become more insane. In, now insanity is completely um, disassociated from uh, from a character's morality. It means that you can look at how that what that stat means. So, for obviously for humans, morality is it, morality is is or is now about um, is about how well they resist uh, you know traumatic events. We're going to see in in Werewolf the Forsaken uh, the um, harmony is going to be something that has to be in balance. You don't want it too high and you don't want it too low. In Mage, I can see it being quite interesting because I imagine that if you've got uh, 
it, again, if it's too high, your your mage may be too dissociated from from the from very from very mortal things because you're you're too you're too focused on cosmic uh, cosmic truths and and so forth. Um, and I think we saw some of the start of this change with back with say also in Geist with um, with their synergy because obviously you've got these two entities mm-hmm. that are playing around and also in Changeling because you don't want your weird uh, uh, you don't want your clarity to be too high or too low because if it's too high you know you you you're quite bad at interacting with uh, with the hedge and with anything to do with changelings and if it's too low well you're pretty much a, a raving lunatic um, because obviously you're just caught up in your imagination and in, in the realms of dreams and fantasies hmm. so yeah cover so the cover rating is is pretty cool um, what else can we say uh, so obviously we've got a 4 by 4 system here which is good we've not got a classic 5 by 5 system with uh like the other groups, so um, with the incarnations and the agendas, um, and then of course the other, the main core things. Then, as a demon, you've got your covers, you've got your 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 demon attributes, the things that make you demonic. You have a huge more of metal teeth, and there's all these numerous things that you can build your demon to be quite unique again. Um, and then you've got embeds and exploits that fall into. Uh, the embeds fall into one of four types. So you've got cacophony embeds, which are favoured by destroyers. These create destruction. Instrumental embeds, favoured by guardians, and these deal with matter. Uh, so that's the idea of essentially of creation of things. Mundane embeds, favoured by psychopomps, and they deal with secrecy. And vocal embeds are favoured by messengers, and these embeds deal with living creatures. Um, Interesting to note how that all the all the terms there for the embeds are all based around the idea of music, um, which ties into what we were talking about earlier. Uh, mm-hmm. And then, of course, you've got exploits, which are more powerful uh, loopholes in reality that can be made use of. Uh, Mike, how much have you gone into the kind of way these powers work then and things that we can see in games? Uh, I really just kind of glanced over them to be uh, to honest. Just kind of looked over a couple of the uh, the basic ones. So I mean, yeah, we can definitely talk about it further. Yeah, um, I'm just checking here if there's anything uh, specific. Oh, so obviously for each of the um, so each of the class of of uh, agendas that uh, a demon falls into, again there are specific. You've got conditions related to these agendas. So. This is, I think, quite an interesting way of of adding on new stuff and new ways of making use of a political group or faction that a character is made it, that is linked to. So there's a condition that you can make use of. So again, uh, with these conditions, you can gain a beat, and if you resolve them, you gain another beat and other bonuses. So, for example, the saboteur's condition is an eye for disorder, which means that you have an eye for how to cause chaos and you gain a beat when the character draws attention to yourself when you're destroying something or unsettling or destabilizing a system 
the attention doesn't have to come from the god machine or its agents. You just, in other words, you do something that will bring upon yourself unwanted attention. And then resolution, the character knows just what to do to turn harmony into dissonance. This may just be uh, words needed to start a fight or the buttons to press uh, to press to set off alarms, etc, etc. After performing action to cr- intended to create chaos, the player enjoys plus three on a relevant uh, skill roll. So again, there's other conditions related to each of the groups. So I think that's kind of useful in, again, having nudge mechanics to help you play to the themes of the political faction that you've chosen your character to be a member of. Um, Anything else we can say about those groupings? I don't think there's much more we can say. Um, So so you've you've got within demon, you have your your type of demon that you are, you have your you have these agendas, and then of course you have the political, the 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 the, um, the groupings of demons that occur within the city. So you have your ring of demons, which is the player group of demons, and then you have uh, these agencies, and agencies are gatherings of demons, and either they have, depending upon what their concerns are, some are just gathered together for their own protection and for their own, inf- so they can influence the world how they see fit. Other ones have more of a have more of an agenda with the god machine and some of these agencies are in fact fronts for the god machine to to destabilize uh demon society and turn it against itself so again that plays into this very kind of spies and espionage and double agents and uh and that's kind of cool um of course as your demon becomes more powerful in in uh primum they at level six and to ten you gain glitches so glitches basically represent how your demon nature is pushing through your covers and this is again very similar to what we see in changeling um and it's kind of maybe i guess a little similar to the uh banes that are now in blood and smoke so we're seeing again this this idea that being being a powerful creature person whatever within the world of darkness is great but it's going to come at a price uh so let me just check the rules for going loud because this is kind of it is i think just awesome and kind of uh insane um so going loud when all else fails, a demon can get out of a tight spot by just going loud. And it means their cover is set to zero automatically. They assume their demonic form, their primum is set to ten, and their ether pool is completely filled. Um, yeah. That's just completely crazy, because I imagine there are so many powers that may depend upon the amount of ether you need to be able to spend and how much you can spend in a turn and also rely on maybe your primum as the the as part of the dice pool so having it set to 10 and being able to you know immolate uh, an entire building filled with uh you know lackeys of the god machine who are all armed with uzis or something is 
incredibly cool. Yeah, but it also comes at a big price because it's a, oh, yeah. basically a last-ditch effort. You know, if you don't pull this off, whatever you're doing, you're pretty much screwed. So, I mean, that's... It, it's the, uh, you know, it's the final play, basically. And uh, mm-hmm. if you pull it off, great. If you don't, well, here come the angels. Um, yeah, powers in Demon are very interesting. Um, you know, mechanically, they're just... They're they're not too much different than say disciplines. You know, you just take two uh, two stats, add them together, and that's your die pool that you roll. But um, the embeds are are interesting because it's almost like you're something changes in the world, and then that's when the demon is able to uh, to take advantage of it. it. They're almost very reactionary in a way. So. Um, so, for example, you can you can hide a uh, a weapon, and when it becomes a hidden weapon, like once that concept enters reality, they can simply just make it better, make it hidden more. Um, and mm. there's a lot of very interesting uh, powers and effects in in that way. Um, so you know, a demon goes into a crowd, and they simply can become uh, lost in it. You know, um, they blend in simply because they're now that concept of being lost in a, cro- a crowd exists. So yeah, it, it's pretty neat in that way. Um, I'm just kind of like jumping through, kind of looking at uh, a couple of them. Um, and they're not all about, you know, hiding and that sort of thing. Uh, obviously, you know, communication uh, is very large for them. There's one right here called social dynamics. So there we go. Um, just being able to socialize and uh, get that leg up with, with normal mortals because Demons know, and angels know how people are built, and because of that, it makes mortals very easy, for, uh, easily manipulated, um, which is another pretty fun, cool concept with uh, with demon the descent. What I would say that sums how it sums up demon powers is that because they know how the world operates on an innate level, their powers represent the perfect execution of. A concept. So, if you, for example, you know they've got the power of knockout punch, which is, despite what popular media would have people believe, getting knocked out usually indicates a serious injury, often accompanying brain damage. If it if it doesn't cause such damage, a sharp blow to the head is usually just painful. A demon operates different constraints. With this embed, a demon can knock out a t- knock a target unconscious and specify when the target will revive. So that's what I mean. It's it's the perfect. It's they have such a a link to the very programming of reality that they know how to do something in the exact manner to get that effect. So while a mage mm-hmm. may is while a mage is is not aware of the program of reality, they certainly know how to bloody well hack it to get the effect they want. But they're having to to do a lot of a lot of messing around and 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 doing stuff which causes obviously amounts to eventually a par- to paradox depending upon how big a change they're trying to 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 enable whereas okay. a demon whereas a demon is in the co- is part of that code so he knows exactly how to what bit to fire and which bit not to to get the to get the desired effect and that's the difference between them hmm. yeah pretty neat and then, obviously, uh, I'm just going to see if we can pick out some other 
fun uh, embeds here. Uh, download knowledge, I mean, pretty much does exactly what it says on the tin, which is demons who might be expected to know the answer disagree uh, with this. They do know that with the proper understanding, they can absorb knowledge from the very mystical subroutines of the universe that allow their embeds. Whether that means they're taking the knowledge from a, a human collective consciousness or simply just downloading it from the god machine. So, yeah, you know, they just get temporary. They, let me see, the character up, uploads ins instead of downloads. Um, is the failure, sorry. Uh, success. The character gains temporary skill dots equal to the number of successes on the embed roll, and this is for a skill they need, and it lasts for a scene. You know, they are your. Demons are pretty much your. Your, your agent Smith from the Matrix, essentially, because he they're able to do stuff within the limits of the very programming of reality. Whereas you know, all the hacker guys, all the all you know in the Matrix are able to do stuff beyond that because they know how to to see the limits and break them. Um, anything else, Mike? You liked powers wise there? I think that pretty much covers embeds uh exploits are uh similar they're more powerful and they usually cost uh aether points to use the only interesting thing i wanted to know i'm trying to see if i can find it again but uh typically the dice pools uh for exploits get very large you're adding not only like um a stat and a skill you're also adding in your uh premium statistic the the power stat and a couple times not that many you actually subtract a stat yeah here we go uh frozen in time is intelligence plus science plus primum minus your stamina, which is pretty <laughs> cool and not something you typically see in uh, World of Darkness, but uh, yeah, that's good. A minus, that's, that is kind of different, that one. Oh bit, yeah, I've just found bit. another one. Muse, which is manipulation plus expression minus resolve. Yeah, exactly. So that's really different. And... So, Mike, with the with the exploits, I mean, as you've gone through that, is there anything again that's uh, kind of ridiculous that you've you've read that it, it's uh, just massively powerful? Uh, I don't know about massively powerful, but I'm just looking at Demon House right now, which is uh, where the God Machine gives uh, angels or or demons cover as an inanimate object, such as a building. So uh, that's definitely something very different. Uh, it would be pretty funky to play as a uh, a demon house, um, but you know, I think a I think a good storyteller could uh, get around some of the uh, storytelling issues with that. Actually, I was just kind of brainstorming or thinking. Um, is there a uh, is there a ghoul or thrall equivalent for the demon? I can't seem to Stigmatics. recall. Stigmatics. Oh. What's uh what's the deal with them? Just to throw in so, another tangent. A stigmatic is a person that has come into contact in some way with the god machine or the entities related to the god machine and are tainted by it. Um let me just see if I can find the uh <laughs> find that one because it is a uh, it is interesting. Uh character creation. Can I find stigmatic? Select merits. So obviously there's, there's a good point to talk about, actually, antagonists within the game. So you've got people in general, obviously, angels. You've got exiles, which are, which are demons 
due to the god machine purposefully cutting off an angel for whatever reason. You've got uh, cryptids. So these are, you know, obviously are creatures and people and things which have been influenced by their exposure to the god machine and are now different. So obviously you've got reptile people, you've got uh, the Mothman. Uh, those are all very classic, um, classic things there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have Stigmatic, which I will search for now. So the Stigmatics are antagonists they're not well they can be they can be well they could either be members of your cult if you're a demon or they can be antagonists it depends upon how the god how how they're being used or if the god machine is using them let's see i'm just trying to find the uh i also just found a uh, little little blurb about the kashmalam in the book oh yeah they're they're mentioned a lot in this book even Mm. okay so there's a bit of description of how demons can interact with other uh, supernatural creatures. So obviously, ghosts can turn up because obviously the god machine might have a use for a ghost, as in it has a ghost uh, taken away from somewhere to be used as a defensive part, a uh, defensive infrastructure uh, for some house. So you know the the classic haunted house on the top of the hill. Well, mm-hmm. that's because that's actually the defensive infrastructure for something that's within the house or beneath the house, um, and. Uh, vampires, because of the very nature of their society, it ties in well with with demons as well, because both need to hide to a certain extent. Uh, and of course, mages, mages and demons seem to cross paths far too often because they're both interested and aware of the uh, the actions of the god machine. Um, this also means that sometimes they're absolute enemies or they're they're really good allies because. Mages can do things that demons can't, and demons can get things done that mages can't. So uh, there's a lot of scope for um, for that. Um, so, and then changelings represent an interesting point for a demon because demons uh, find changelings interesting in the sense that they are they've escaped something you know again cosmic kind of scale entities but where where demons draw the line is that they find that some of the things that changelings do with their pacts and uh and uh and their pledges is a little bit oh no wait sorry wrong way around changelings find problems with demons with their pacts because they see it as too much that idea of soul stealing is a bit too similar to what um what the Fae do. Um, and then with Prometheans, again, there's an interest in Prometheans because they're these created entities, things that are human but not human uh, and weren't born. Um, and, of course, the Quashelim come into it because they are similar to angels. They have they have scope for such monumental uh, actions, yet they're not angels of the god machine. And... Um, and so often there is this interplay between do you know with do you know that whether or not you're interacting with a koshelim an angel of the god machine uh or you could be technically you could be interacting with a demon from the inferno or one of those type realms or you could be interacting with 
uh, I'm trying to think of the term, but you know when the archmages that are locked away in the supernal realms, they can send like themselves in kind of an astral form. You could be interacting with one of them, or you could be interacting with some greater spirit, or God forbid, one of the Idigam. So, yeah, there's a lot of scope for overlap in the, with this game, which I think is really great. So stigmatics, um, in fact, stigmatics are a... You can inflict it upon someone. So I think it's uh, an embed. You can actually make someone a stigmatic. And if I go to chapter four in the book, I can tell you a bit more about what that finally means. Is it going to load fast enough? No, it's not. I think that's what's going on here. Inflict stigmata. I got this. You've got the inflict stigmata, yeah. Quote from page 168. Yeah, so inflict stigmata. Uh, Stigmatics, described in chapter 4, are human beings that can be, uh, that can see the workings of the god machine. Some of them yeah. wind up working directly for the god machine, hunting demons, facilitating infrastructure, or performing whatever their unknowable master asks of them. Some of them don't and wind up terrified of their newfound knowledge or form cults or religious uh, religions based on their visions. Some stigmatics are born, but others come to their condition after witnessing the works of the god machine. Demons are able to stimulate this condition as well. Though once a human has turned stigmatic, the demon has no control over how he will react to this newfound enlightenment. And it goes on to give you a, a dice pool of presence plus occult plus premium and one ether. Yeah. So there so, you go. So they're kind of fun. And then also the other thing that you can do is that demons and demons can impregnate and become pregnant. So... De and that depends upon which cover, because remember that demons are essentially gender fluid in that sense, because of depe depending upon their cover. So they can create people. They they can give birth to, or cause the birth of, people that are touched by de demonic powers. So again, that is uh, that is quite different yeah it is, it is a little different kind of um gives gives uh the movie junior starring Arnold schwarzenegger a whole new world of darkness meeting but uh, yes. you know. <laughs> um so yeah stigmatics uh there's an entire chapter in the storytelling section on what life as a stigmatic is and how you interact with people and how you can play as one so, obviously, they are a uh, playable type of character. Um, so, you could, you could, that would be quite strange kind of game to play through where you've got a demon or two and a, uh, their group of stigmatic cultists. And then, of course, cryptids that you have in here, they, they again can sense the uh, aether and feed off it. They are difficult to detect, so they have something which is called camera shy. So they uh, they blur cameras, so because obviously they they have some sort of field. And then there's a few uh, powers and adaptions that you can give them. And the examples of Mothmen, reptilians, and and then other antagonists are things like sleeper agents. So again, these are people that have been reprogrammed, uh, ready to be used by the God Machine for whatever purposes. So 
there's there is a lot of different things in this game um which really brings i guess the point of playing the demon and what immediately uh jumps to mind i i mean i say normally i know for me you, you i can judge a game usually on how quickly i can form the idea of, of a basic chronicle so obviously i you know hunter's really easy you can you can make chronicles for that quite fairly simple um following a kind of freak of the week kind of uh structure and and then adding in a, a larger plot arc um Obviously, vampire, werewolf, mage, I've got chronicles for already, and I've got an idea for a geist chronicle. Um, but with demon, I think I have, I think I would have to approach creating a chronicle for that slightly differently. Well, I wouldn't say slightly differently. I think the focus is maybe different. Is not so much on NPCs and how they're interacting and 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 creating that web of intrigue and seeing who wants what and why and so forth. I think with with um with Demon because your your ultimate antagonist is the god machine is maybe you want to look at uh what is what is the core what are the core infrastructures that you want your 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 party of demons to uh to discover and try and stop and then interweave with that more infrastructures, some of which are, are intended red herrings, uh, to give this idea that the god machine is doing its best to hide things. And then, of course, you can build on top of that other groups of demons that are, are hindering your ac- the group's actions because they want to make use of certain infrastructures for their own for, the, for their own purposes, because obviously you you may have your group go, well, we should destroy this infrastructure because it presents such a threat. Whereas another group of demons, the NPC demons, may may want that infrastructure to remain because they want to use it as a uh, as a as a center to uh, to restore their own ether or or make use of the stuff it makes. Maybe you know it is sucking the innards out of people and leaving behind their fleshy skins and they want to use it as a means to create new patch job covers or something like that. Um, yeah. Mike, any ideas on running demon? Uh, the other thing we haven't spoken yet about is the cipher, which is a, a complicated thing. Um, but we'll get to that, I think. Yeah. I've been thinking about the, uh, how to run demon a little bit and it almost seems like, you know, there's, there's a section in the book, um, Jack, I sent a chig. It's it's about how, uh, like, what what does a demon do all day? Just kind of like a little snapshot, day in the it's life, a, that sort of thing. It's a good section. I'm yeah, glad that they included is. it. And it really kind of spells out what demons do, at least on a uh, you know daily, monthly, yearly basis, that sort of thing. Uh, challenges that they they have to go through. You know, making sure that they uh, keep their their ether stores. Um, full um investigating into uh different infrastructure in the area um i think i'm not i'm not sure that i agree that it's that this game is more about the places than the people but you might change it so that uh the people are 
are definitely side characters which help uh, accentuate the the human nature that that angels or demons are now um, uh, involved with. Yeah, um, I think that's definitely a strong thing that came across in that section was that uh, you know demons they don't have a lot of time for it, but when they do, they are just going to try to be normal people. You know, enjoy that pizza buy with uh, with somebody. Um, so maybe maybe a good way to do it is that. You know, you have these particular characters, most of them are okay, but of course you're going to have to put in some red herrings or people that could possibly blow the demon's cover. And then you slowly have the infrastructure and aspects of the god machine just kind of being this this niggling um, distraction under the surface, which the demons have to constantly be be looking out for. Um, Whether it be that, you know, the demon goes out to do something with this very friendly NPC, and then they see that that infrastructure in the background, that uh, that uh, large factory, which he knows has a uh, beating heart in the center of it. So that's kind of how I look at it, at least right now. I mean, I haven't I haven't dug into the uh, Seattle setting yet, which I'm sure has a lot of uh, very interesting uh, story hooks. You know, it kind of seems like it's you kind of want to start things off a little slow and then ramp it up to win. The demon has no other options but to confront the infrastructure and the god machine itself. Yeah, I think you're right with how it's important to humanize the story with the very people that demons interact with, especially for each of their covers. So again, there's there's a lot more focus on, I would say, on how important character creation is in this, in the sense that maybe you know, it's important to. To, just, to have good descriptions for each of their covers and the people they know in each of these covers, because each of those, each of the each of those people, that, each of those persons can then be uh, a risk, as you say, to their cover being blown and things going bad. Um, in that sense, I th- it's kind of similar, and I think there's maybe some you know inspiration could be found and ideas can be found from looking at Mage as well, because. Mage has sort of the same sort of a setup where mages have their their normal normal everyday mortal life, and then they obviously have their when they're dealing with anything to do with other mages, they have their shadow name, and they try to their best to to again separate those two lives if they can, or or if they have to, you know, totally. Uh, you know, leave them their normal mortal life because of the threat it presents due to either it being other mages that want to to use them or or if it's you know mages of say the Tremere or or the uh, the exarchs um, and much like and again it's in, then obviously there's similarity to vampire because you know in vampire people are important to vampires as their touchstones uh, which help them retain their humanity but obviously each person they interact with again is a is presents a risk to you know their their cover being blown and uh, a bunch of hunters coming after them yep absolutely absolutely so chig that's me you're a uh, you're a gentleman who's a bit of a classic world of darkness fan but uh you've been here for many discussions of demon so I just wanted to kind of pick your brain a little bit. Are there any, maybe not story ideas, but maybe just like a character or something that's kind of jumped out at you that like, hey, this might be kind of interesting to play? Yeah, it sounds like a really different, a really fun game. A uh, 
a, uh, a, a spy cell kind of game. Listening to you guys discuss the powers today and the uh, stigmatics, it might be fun to play as a uh, stigmatic cultist whose uh, demon is uh, the building where they all live. That's actually, com- that's what I was thinking. some ideas. Yeah. That's what I was thinking when I was talking about the demon house. Is like, well, right. if you're stuck there in your house, you should have that kind of, that troop style character. Yeah, I mean, and, and it could just be, you know, uh, random people who are in this house when the demon takes over. And that is their shared awakening experience. Hmm. That they were the ones who were home when the uh, the demon took this house as its cover. That would be pretty cool. And that and ties that... in pretty well with uh, Mummy the Curse and its whole setup. Mm-hmm. Except now yes. you're not worshipping the mummy, you're just living in your demon house. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And you're you know, you're you're super not wanting your uh, your rent controlled apartment building to be torn down by the city or whatever, so <laughs> So you, when it tells you to go out and get that orphan heart from the center from the center of that factory downtown, you go out and you get that orphan heart because you're saving a lot of money on rent. I would say with Demon, the other thing is uh, it's important when maybe doing your kind of story crafting and and you know planning out your chronicle and and the individual segments of it, the ep- or episodes, depending on how you run it. I think there's a danger maybe to get too caught up with trying to work out what the god machine is wanting to do. And maybe you need to focus more on what is the immediate effect of the god machine's actions to the people that the demon knows around it. Because, then, again, that then makes it a far more personal story you, you you really need to reinforce the fact that you're never you are never going to know what the god machine's doing, and your players are never really going to understand it. Even the demons don't understand it. Neither will mages. Obviously, God Machine Chronicles is a really really useful book to uh, to have next to you when doing this story crafting because again there are numerous example infrastructures there, so you can already start putting together a chronicle. And then, you know, then it makes it easier for you to kind of come up with new infrastructures and uh, new antagonists. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there's some cool ideas in there. Like, uh, the other thing is that some demons will, will try and, and cause a confrontation between the Quashilim, uh, between a Quashmal and an angel. And that's just a an insane sort of scene to imagine as two, two of these cosmic entities you know locked in a fight against each other and you know it's causing all this etheric resonance to pour off uh the angel and thus power up the demons and at the same time is there's all this uh pyros going everywhere and uh and you know that's waking up pandorans and and so forth and it's maybe causing a firestorm that's something in uh in um, Promethean. Hmm. Okay. I like it. I like it. Yeah. So I think that's it we have to uh, discuss with Demon, isn't it? Yeah. I think it's good closing. Cool. So, Darker Days Radio. Um, all right. We have our contest going on right now. There's only going to be a couple weeks to uh, submit your answer. So if you're driving the car, pull over, stop, 
and send over your entry, which may just be Gruntar the Fruitang, over to darkerdaysradio at gmail.com. So, uh, just to reiterate, this is uh, the question is, what do you think the new New World of Darkness game line will be? And if you are randomly selected from our very large pool of contestants, you will win a signed copy of the God Machine Chronicles, uh, given to us by not only Matt McFarland, who's signing it, but also Peter Marshall, Darker Days Radio Australian correspondent. <laughs> so there we go. That's it. So yeah, of course, uh, if you need to send us an email, uh, darkerdaysradio at gmail.com. Uh, we're on Facebook, where we don't interact with people all that much, but you know, that's what happens. <laughs> People interact, people interact with us a lot, but we don't, you know, make that many posts, which is kind of one of the interesting things about our, our Facebook group. Um, so that's darker day, or sorry, facebook.com slash darker days radio. And of course we're on G plus where we do not have a very simple URL, but, uh, if you just search on Google plus for, uh, darker days radio, you will find our community, which is always hopping. Uh, I don't know what we've been discussing lately on but... G plus. Um, I've been resharing some of the Onyx Path updates about Werewolf, uh, the Forsaken, as Stu gives uh, hints on the uh, what's going on. Well, gives us the more than hints, their uh, insight into Idigam Chronicles. Um, uh, what else? There's generally anything that pops up on G Plus that's interesting. So I think the last thing that was interesting, other thing that was interesting, was uh, what the upcoming kickstarter for drakeries that war game which i want a miniature from so oh, right, something right. To, that's something to look at but yeah there's plenty going on there um yeah twitter i i haven't been posting enough stuff on twitter i i, I actually personally don't use twitter enough but then twitter's a compared to g plus i find twitter a bit shouting into the void but um mm. we do when we do bother we do post our episode links there so you know people can interact with us on twitter yeah, definitely definitely uh do we use anything else oh we've got the blog spot as always um sam now has access to it so i think she'll be porting over some of her movie reviews and i think there's a few horror movie reviews to put in there sam you're gonna review for us uh hannibal season two oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> You need a week so, to recover. Uh, yeah, I think we're gonna watch it again and then. Um... No, that, that's it. That's the review. Oh god. Oh god. Oh, that's the review. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, and is there anything else, Mike? Anywhere else that we can be contacted by? Nope. I don't think nope. so. And so then. That's pretty much it. I have been talking to asking James if he's interested in doing some kind of like a Darkling but we just talk a bit more just talk smack about wargaming and computer games maybe because obviously that's uh, overlapping interest and since we all seem to be dabbling in other gaming that isn't World of Darkness and isn't roleplay games it might be fun to do that once in a while where we just talk about gaming in general and what stuff we've found interesting because we all like mechanics and we all like settings, so um, I'll have a think about when we should do that. But that might be a Google Plus Hangout thing, just so we don't have to edit it. <laughs> mm -hmm. And also, we can show off miniatures on camera. It's really easy and stuff like that. So. Oh, totally. Yeah, always oh. a plus. Maybe I should paint some of my World of Darkness miniatures. I'm yeah, you, maybe you should 
paint some stuff like that, Mike. And then uh, you yeah. got your Signar and Scorn painted up? Um, the Signar painted, the Scorn, ah. not so much. That'd be kind of cool to see. Yeah. Wicked. Okay, cool. Well, I think that's it for Darker Days Radio. Um, yeah. Good night. See ya. Hey, before we start this next section, hey, Chris, mm-hmm. when you were at uh, the uh, convention, do they have a like a dealer's room? I don't know what you mean. Like, do, they, do, you do, they talk- have people, do they have people there? Because at conventions here, they have, a whole, they have you know, just a whole room devoted to people selling, selling you things. Uh, right. So uh, Essen Spiel is devoted to, is all mixed up. So everything is selling everywhere. Okay. Do they, do they have like used stuff or non-first uh, print? They do. Fantastic. They do. There are people that have, yeah, because I mean, I've been oh, there. Oh, wait a minute. For, like, Fantastic. Wait a minute. I want you to no, 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 wait, wait, no, 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 Right, we'll just have for, to email me all this. You should get stuff. it for me because I started asking for a screw you, Mike. I'm what? No, but I've been looking for that for years. <laughs> no, I have. It's the only changeling book I don't own. It's not really a changeling book. It, it has, has a green marble it. cover. It has. It is the only place where you can find the Corrid Kith. Sorry, which, which, which book are you looking for? It's called uh, Le Monde de Tenebs, France. And I probably totally oh, right. ruined that. It's, it's put out by the French... Uh, license holder who got to print all the White Wolf stuff in France. Yeah. there, There's a link. It's also yeah. of questionable legality because we're not sure if they should have actually been printing their own material and using all that stuff. So uh, that's why I don't think it's ever been print, in, uh, print on demand uh, on like DriveThruRPG or anything or even released on DriveThruRPG. So um. if, you find, if you find a copy of that... And it's less than, let's say, 50 bucks American. <laughs> less than 60 for this guy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to get into a bit. I'll even, throw in, I'll even throw in something for you, Chris. Something nice. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Because, I mean, I went there looking for a copy of uh, Hunter the Vigil because I don't have a hard copy of that. I will get you a hard copy of Hunter the Vigil, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> I will get it signed if you want. I'll get you the entire game line. <laughs> I'm going to regret that. But uh, anyway. Anyway, onto the, onto the old world of darkness. Oh, right, right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <clears throat>